Hello and welcome to The Court Jester, your weekly dose of crazy medieval obscenity. I am Cleo Pethenu, medievalist and storyteller, and I am here with your usual pre-fablio warning. Generally, the fablio are obscene, gender binary, misogynistic, ableist, violent, disturbing, and ultimately their humor is, yes, very often outdated. However, special mention today that there is violence, domestic violence, and it might be that today it's not your cup of tea, not even in the context of a story that is several hundred years old. If that is the case, and it's absolutely understandable that you don't like that kind of thing, then give this one a skip or come back on another day when you're feeling a little more resilient if you really don't want to miss one of the stories. For those of you who stay with me and can consume this content in context, let's get started with a story that's called The Peasant Doctor. The peasant of our story was tight-fisted, and for that attribute of his, he had amassed a fortune. By the time our story starts, he had eight oxen, two mares, two workhorses, a lot of wheat, wine and meat, and everything a man might need. As usual, when the story starts like this, what he did not have was a wife, and he was desperately in search for one. A knight lived in the area, he was a widower and he had a daughter. So the peasant thought that this might be a very good match and went to meet the knight and asked for his daughter's hand in marriage. And the knight, not having anyone to advise him, thought, I mean, he's wealthy enough, so my daughter's gonna have a good life, so I might as well, won't I? So he consented. The young girl was not asked. She was told that she was going to marry the peasant raised no objections, the poor thing, and not having a mother to protect and advise her, she did as she was told. The wedding was carried out with much rejoicing, and the girl, who frankly dreaded the marriage, managed to carry herself quite well through all this, and by the time of the first night of the newlywed couple, the peasant had already had a change of heart, for he knew that he had aimed way higher than he should have, so he started thinking, well, I'm in no way her match. She's much younger and she attracts me by a lot. So, so what's going to happen now? I'll wake up in the morning and I'm going to go to work and work myself to the bone. And she will be at home looking pretty and doing whatever wives do when they're at home. And she's also young. And it's only a matter of time before the village priest swings by to say hello. Because he's a priest and he's always on holiday and... You know, he'll come here and have a chat and say hi and stay and have some chats in the morning while I'm not here. And it's only a matter of time before he steals my wife away. So before long, she won't even love me anymore. And before even longer, she's going to start actually hating me. And I have kind of created an impossible situation for me just now. So I really don't know how to get out of this. And so he started thinking a bit more, seeing that it worked so very well for him the first time. And he thought, all right, but do you know what? If I wake up in the morning and I just actually, first thing, before I leave the house, 
beat her so badly that she will sit and cry all day and not know what happened, then she will not have in her mind or in her body the desire to go cheat on me with any other man. That's a great idea. That's what I'm going to do. And then I will come back at night and apologize and feel very bad about it and give her all the love. And then she will love me again at night and then I'll do the same the next day and everything will be fine. Yes, I see I see. I can make a system out of this and it will work perfectly. Yes. Feeling very smart and very happy with himself, he went to sleep and woke up in the morning and on their first day as a married couple, they feasted. They had the biggest breakfast and before leaving the house, he slapped her across the face with an open hand, leaving five fingers on her cheek and with a heavy hand, he does exactly what he planned to do. And without another word, he drops her on the floor and leaves. She picks herself up from the floor crying. What shall I do? Where can I turn? How did my father give me to this man? And is this my life now? Why did my mother have to die? Never would she allow me to marry that man had she been here with me. She weeps and cries all day, until later in the day he comes back from the fields. He kneels at her feet and stammers an apology. The devil made me do it, my love, he says. I shouldn't lay a finger on you and I promise I'll never do it ever again. I don't know what came upon me. Seeing that her options were rather limited, she forgave him and they had dinner and retired and went to bed together. It was a pleasant enough night. But on the morning, he woke up and did it again. Feeling forlorn, forsaken and without hope, she heard the sound of hooves. Two of the king's men were coming riding by. She runs to the front door to welcome them. And they come in the house asking for something to eat and a place to rest for a while. Gentlemen, please, she says, where are you coming from and what are you after? One of them says, good woman, the king has sent us. We're off to find a physician because the princess, the king's daughter, is really, really badly ill. It's more than a week. She can't eat. She can't drink. And all because a fishbone has been stuck in her, in her throat and she is choking so she can't do anything. We can't remove it. She can't eat. She can't drink. She's wasting away, poor thing. Oh, says the wife, what a good fortune is that that brought you to my door. You will not believe that. But my husband is a very good healer. He knows more about medicine than the best medical man that you will find in any of the universities because he's actually um, very well read and very experienced in these kinds of things. He knows all the therapies, I promise. Are you joking? asks the second man. Sir, I'm a woman. I'm not allowed to make jokes. It's not my nature, but I will give you also a piece of advice. My husband will refuse to treat anyone because he has withdrawn from the world of medicine. So he will only give you um, his advice. He will only cure the princess if he is beaten into submission. Well, if this is what he asks for payment, we will not hold back at all, says the first man. Where is he? Where can we find him? So you actually just missed him. If you follow the stream down the street, you will find the field where he went to work in. Because as I said, he has abandoned medicine recently and went back to working the fields. But yes, there, there's a man there. The man that you will see working that field right after the stream, that's him. Uh, go find him, uh, beat him up and he will come with you and cure the, the king's daughter. 
The two men, feeling more than pleased, went off in a hurry and found the peasant laboring in his fields and greeted him in the name of the king and told him, The king commands you to come with us. Why? asked the peasant. For your skills, because your reputation precedes you, we know everything, we know you're the best doctor on earth, and we also know that you abandoned medicine and you don't want to practice anymore, but frankly, this is the king, and his daughter is ill, so really, you will have to come with us and cure this girl, or else. I'm not a doctor, says the man. The two men look at each other. You know, I think what he needs is to be paid first. I think he needs a thorough beating. So... If this is where this is going to go, and he's already saying no, shall we just get started and make a quick job of this? So both of them fell on him like two angry bears. One punched him in the ear, the other grabbed the stick and started taking it on his back, and they didn't stop until the peasant was lying flat on the ground, screaming, yes, yes, I am a doctor, please stop, I'll cure her. Finally, said one of the men, come on then. And he picked him up, put him on his horse, and they rode away. At last, they arrived at court and the king ran to meet them. Did you find a doctor? Oh, my liege, we found the best doctor in the land. You will not believe how lucky we were. He was actually hiding in one of the villages, pretending to be a farmer. But we're on it. We found him. He's here now. He's going to cure your daughter no matter what. He knows what he's doing. Only one thing, my lord. He will not practice medicine unless we really beat him up. So with your permission... We're going to just give him another hiding now, just so that he knows what, what he has to do. Sure, of course, yes, if it's a very weird request, said the king, but if this is what works, then let's go, administer it. And the king turned to the peasant. They're bringing my daughter now, good man, he said. Please do your best to cure her. Um, it's going to be a great reward waiting for you when she is well. Uh, it's really urgent, though, that you do it, because it's been a week that she's not eating. The peasant, hoping that he could talk some sense into the king, started talking. My king, I'm not a doctor. I've never seen a book of medicine in my life. I have no idea about any of this. Oh, said the king, looking at his two men. You were right. He is refusing everything. Okay, so this is going to take more time than I expected. Beat him up, please. And the two men, without further ado, gave him another piece of their thoughts and their hands and whatever other instruments they could find around them. I'll heal her, I'll heal her, it's fine, I'll do it, please stop, shouted the peasant, and the king ordered his men to stop and bring the princess over. The poor girl arrived grasping her throat, evidently in pain, and the peasant was thinking, I have to do something, otherwise they'll probably hang me, so maybe if I make her laugh, then with all the force and all the laughter and the giggling, it might dislocate the bone and throw it out, so let's give that a try. He turned to the king and he said, My king, I need you to do something to help with your daughter's healing. I'm going to need a room with a very big fire and I need to be alone with a girl. No one else can be in the room with us. Sure, of course, said the king. Anything you need to heal my daughter. And he ordered for a room to be prepared and the biggest fire they could put in the fireplace to be lit. The girl went and sat by the fire waiting for her treatment to begin. And the peasant took off all his clothes and went and sat beside the fire as well and started scratching himself. He had really long nails, broken and dirty from all the work in the fields. 
and with all the beating he has been receiving all day, scratching himself felt so good, and he started scratching his arms and his legs and his torso, and suddenly he spreads his legs and starts scratching his balls, and the girl at first was surprised, but when she sees that, she starts laughing so hard that the fishbone pushes itself out of her throat and lands on the ground in front of her feet. As the peasant saw this, he jumped up, put his clothes back on, picked up the bone and ran into the king's rooms. I did it! Here's the bone! She's cured! Can I go home now? The king was fascinated. This is amazing, he said. I will, I will cover you with gold, man. I will give you gems. I will give you coins. I will give you whatever you desire. Just name your price. No, 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 I do not want anything said the peasant, just let me go, let me go back home, please don't let me stay here any longer. Your people picked me up when I was on my way to the mill yesterday, there's things that need done. Oh, but you're not leaving just yet, said the king. You're going to stay here, the kingdom needs you. And if you refuse to, my guys can beat you up again. No, 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 it's fine, I'll stay, said the peasant, it's fine, I'll say I will stay for a little bit longer, um, if you think you need me. And so the peasant stayed at court, they shaved him, cut his hair, gave him good clothes to wear, gave him his own rooms, and he thought, there's nothing left to fear as long as sick people don't come round, right? They will not ask me to practice medicine ever again. But news of his incredibly good medical knowledge spread. So it wasn't long before every sick man on the kingdom, and I think it must have been at least 30 of them that day, was gathered up before the king, bewailing about their condition and about the pain they were in and asking for the good doctor's help. Well, court physician, cure them. That's too many of them, said the peasant. I, I wouldn't know where to start. The king summoned all his court and told them, each one of you, grab a stick, and whenever the good doctor says no, just beat him with it. No, 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 it's fine. I'm sure I can find a way to mass cure everyone who is not feeling very well in this hall right now, said the peasant. Just l let me think for a bit. Let me think. I will need firewood and a lot of it. The servants brought it and they lit a great fire in the hall. And then he made all the sick people stand in a row. And he told the king, please, my lord, can you go down there to sit to one side so that you can witness everything that's happening and, and uh, sit also with the healthy people because we don't want anything bad to happen to you. And so the king indeed moved across the fire from the sick people. And then he talked to the sick people and told them, in God's name and in the name of medicine that I am so well versed in, this is what I'm going to do. There's only one way to cure all of you, and this is it. I'm going to choose the most sick of you, the one that is suffering the most, the one that has the biggest torment of everyone else in this room. And that person I will throw into the fire. And when that person burns down, I'm going to use his ashes and stir them in your drink and give you to drink from his ashes. And when you've done that, everything that hurts you will be gone. So, who in this room is the sickest? They started looking at each other. I'm not feeling that bad, said the first one. I'm feeling fine, actually. I think I'll go. The second one was limping. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really not that bad. It's really not that bad, he said. It's rather uncomfortable, but I wouldn't say it's that bad. The other one said, I, I had a cough this morning, but I think I'm okay now. See, it's, <clears throat> it's gone. 
huh, it's gone. I do not have a cough anymore. Um, I'm going home now. And each and every one of them swore that whatever brought them there this morning was not really that important anymore. The peasant turned doctor looked at one of them and said, I can see, I, th- I think, I think you look weak. I think you should come over here. I think, I, I, yeah, I think you are the, the worst of them. No, I'm fine. If you're fine, why are you here? Said the doctor. And everyone picked themselves up with newly found strength and walked out of the king's hall, feeling cured. Well, praise the Lord, said the king. You did cure everyone indeed. I've never seen such a good doctor as you. My lord, said the peasant, not only that, the charm I used to cure all these men just now is so strong that no one will be sick in the kingdom again, ever. So, you're welcome. I basically, literally cured everyone. Well, if that's the case, good doctor, said the king, then I give you permission to go back to your fields and your mill and whatever it is that you wanted to be doing instead of practicing medicine, because I see that this takes a really big toll on you. And and sorry for beating you up. It's just that you wouldn't do it any other way. So I really had to. No, it's fine. As long as I, I get a horse to go back to my mill and I get to go back to my fields and my wife, please. Uh, and no more beating if, if, you, if you'd be so kind. And thank you. Thank you for everything. And turned around and disappeared before the king could change his mind or before someone else showed up with some sort of sickness that he would again have to cure. And before long he was back home, but now, having felt how it feels to have your body beaten up on a daily basis, not only did he never beat her up again, but he was loving and affectionate and they spend the rest of their lives in comfort, joy, and happiness. And this was the story of the peasant doctor. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing to The Court Jester, giving us five stars wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, and tell everyone you know. The Court Jester is the work of a medievalist and storyteller, me. And if you're feeling generous, after subscribing, you can find us on Patreon and support us over there. You'll get bonus episodes, additional material and other good things, and I will get a sense of achievement that I do not get otherwise, and also the ability to bring you more stories from the Middle Ages. You will find links for that in the show notes, where I also put links to the court jester's social media and to the translation that I'm using, just in case you want to read the originals too. Thank you for listening. Until next time.